It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Thanks for joining us on the show, Tiffany Cherry, alongside former touring pro Mark Allen and Australian Golf Mini Manager Mark Leitner. Gentlemen, we're so used to winning the last <laughs> few months, you know, major or a tournament, of course, that by all accounts from that that sense, it's been a little quiet this week, but I wanted to highlight... Don't forget Abby Teasdale, Tiffany. Okay, yes. That's true. We'll get to her. That's yeah. true. We'll I, wanted, to her. I wanted to highlight a rising player, one of the young Aussies in the women's game, uh, Grace Kim, who finished third on the Epsom Tour. But more than that, she's sitting third in the race for the LPGA Tour card, which is absolutely brilliant. She's a, She's got so many tricks in her bag, young Sydney cider, and uh, and really impressed with her consistency so far this season. Well, both of you saw her uh, in the event here at, at Melbourne the last... At the Athena. At the Athena, didn't you? So, you know, she's mm. a brilliant putter. That's one thing I do know. She's a great girl. She's... Yep. You know, she's a former Australian amateur champion. She's been on the radar for a long time. So the top 10 on the Epson Tour get cards for the LPGA. So she's pretty much home. Yeah, uh, and uh, with Liv knocking on the door there too, uh, might be a good time to join the LPGA Tour as, as far as getting some cash in your back pocket. The one thing I love about this young lady is that she's got, and this is going to sound stupid, but she's got one of the great game faces in golf. She does. You know, they always talked about Raymond Floyd. Raymond Floyd had the stare. Well, I reckon we've got the same sort of thing here. When she is in locked-in zone, you know, think Top Gun, we've yep. locked onto this trophy or this win. I've never seen a game face quite like it. You can, you can also, you can, you can always sense her concentration levels. Uh, go somewhere else, and she look. She's got, she's got every tool. Her eyes are unbelievable. Her swing's got power. Her putting, like you're talking about, Mark, before. Beautiful putting. Just, just beautiful. But the one that you mentioned at the top of the show, her consistency. It's very hard to be a consistent player in your first year of professional golf. She- it's because it's it's a new challenge because you're not at home anymore. You know, right. you are travelling. You are going to different golf courses. You are, are dealing with other players that you don't like for the first time, and you've got to talk to them all the way. There, there are so many reasons why it's difficult in your first year, but she seems to be just be brushing it all off, yep. and just just doing her own thing, and another third placing, and all. Why we go? I mean, she's locked up a card. It's Pretty all done. Much. Well, I think there's nine uh, events to play, and she's got yeah. great mental strength. There's also Sarah Jane Smith and Gabby Ruffles uh, sitting just outside the top ten. I think 14th, 15th. They're about respectively. So potentially uh, another couple mm. of women also playing the LPGA. What was your highlight of the week, Mark? Uh, no, look, there was a couple, um, but I did notice uh, a young lady. On, oh well. You've got Tony Furnell, haven't you? So I'm going to go with Ayaka Ferrure, who was just unbelievable. I mean, she is Scottish a rookie. Yeah, part of the LPGA Tour. I think it's part of the European yes, Tour is. as well. A bit of both. But the shoot 62 in the last round is one thing. Well done. You know, it's incredible. 10 under par, 31-31. Uh, to beat the next best score by four shots uh, when you're trying to win a big trophy, mm. that's a new level of mental... Uh, ability, you know, quite often you see the like Cameron Smith when he won the Open Championship, he shot the lowest score of the day. Well, no, but I think it was by one. Mm. This is by four. Just to put the <laughs> screw in the coffin. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a round. It's a hell of a round. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and just to keep, you know, keep good rounds going. Normally, that's associated with, you know, Lydia Coes of the world who have been playing great golf for 10 years out there on tour, but not your first season to do that, the Scottish. Well, she had Lydia Coe breathing down her neck, didn't she? Mm. Uh, she yeah. did, and Minji Lee finished tied 18th, which for Minji is like a, that's like missed a cut. failure. That's a missed cut for, for Minji. <laughs> she shot 68 in the last <laughs> round, and the uh, AIG Women's Open is on this week at Newfield, Marco, which yeah. I think you, you feel is like the... Yeah, well, Another Karen Lund's right the there, runner. right now, uh, and I know we're speaking to her in about ten minutes. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah you're going to get a really good idea about the beauty of Muirfield very soon. Tiff, there's a history with Muirfield and and women's sport. So they, they were an all male club until uh, 2017. They voted to in, include Brilliant. women members, and the RNA excluded them from the Open Championship mm-hmm. roster at one point because mm. they wouldn't let women in. So this is quite a significant moment for that club, the Honourable Company of Edinburgh Golfers, as they are known. Um, But they let women in in 2017. They voted to let women in and they activated that with 12 new female members in 2019. So there's a bit of significance there with the Women's Open. The AIG Women's Open is is really the Women's British Open. That was what it was known as before. And they're going – they've taken it there for the first time. Now, you talked, Mark, before we started uh, recording the show about just the beauty of Muirfield. Can you you elaborate on that? Well, look, I think the best feel on that rotation that you're talking about where British Opens are played, uh, the best feel is at St Andrews when when you're in that town uh, in an open week. It's electrifying. It sounds ridiculous, but it is. Uh, yeah, we might get uh, someone to speak about that in a little bit who's just come back. Um, it's an electrifying place, you know. But Muirfield, just the golf course, if you just isolate the golf course, I just think it's the most beautiful Lynx golf course out there. I mean, it just makes more sense mm-hmm. where St Andrews, you know, they play the thing backwards. We all know that, don't we? I mean, yeah. originally the course went the other way. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons why all the players are trying to hit it past the hole at St Andrews is because you have uphill putts. Yeah. It's, it's just so ridiculous. You're always yeah. trying to hit it past yeah. the hole. Um, so in a good way, it doesn't make sense, St Andrews. In a really good way, it makes no sense. And that's why it's so good. You know, it's just it's a strange place to play and it, it asks a lot of questions that are unusual. But Muirfield is more a golf course. It's just a beautiful place to play. And I always feel like when, when you walk around it, because I've never played it, I've only ever walked around it, but I always feel like it's taken 200 years for it to get it right, you know, because yeah. there's, there's all the rough is exactly the same wherever you go on the Top whole golf shelf. course. Yeah, you think of your local golf course, it'll be a beautiful bit of rough that's perfect, it frames one hole, mm. but that's the only place that rough appears yeah. uh, on the whole course. Yeah, the rest of the course has got shaggy, rubbishy rough or sandy ground as their rough or yep. whatever, but not at this joint. It's it's just so beautiful and it's just got the right amount of roll and the bunkers are all perfect and not many people play it, which means it's always in good shape. It's a beautiful place to play golf. If you had a choice between Muirfield and Augusta, which would uh, no, I'm playing Augusta. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm playing Augusta. But <laughs> they're, 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 they're fan question. That's a really good question, and there'll, there'll be just as many people who love Lynx golf um, and golf in general who'd pick Muirfield. Yeah. Did I ever mention that I played? Yeah, Augusta? I know you did. <laughs> Sorry, did you slide down the tenth? <laughs> oh goodness me! <laughs> I have not played <laughs> Muirfield. My highlight of the week tip was yeah. uh, I just golf is such a freaky game at, at every level, both the bottom level, right, all the way up to the pro level where you can get on a roll 
You can mm. get on a run and suddenly you've got it covered. And Tony Finau, who is an outstanding player, he's in the, you know, I don't know, he's just outside the top 10 in the world. 13 in the world he's moved to. Uh, he won the Rocket Mortgage Classic. He's won two events in a row. But have a listen to this. In his first 211 starts on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour, he won twice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In start 212, he won. And start 213, he won. So in two starts, he's won the next two. Yep. Yeah. How does that work, Marco? He uh, has just found something, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Uh, and that something is, I think he hit 90% of the greens this week, 80-something percent of the fairways. Uh, and his putting was plus four shots gained on the field. Uh, but just two bogeys in two weeks, two winning weeks. Two bogeys in two weeks. Yeah. I think between his first win and his second win, it was a, you know, a thousand, seven yeah. hundred days or something. Mm. Um, th- he said this after the round, which I like. Um, they say a winner is just a loser that kept on trying. And Love that's it. And, and that's me to a T. How many times do I lose? Question mark. But one thing I don't do is give up. And I'm only here as a winner because I chose not to give up and just kept going. Now, you know, it's great quote. absolutely persistent. Beautiful. Pays. Beautiful, beautiful. Because, you know, there's 140 players every week. There's 156 in the big ones. Uh, and when you're on the PGA Tour, uh, they can all go. Every single one of them has got tricks in their bag and they can all shoot low numbers. And to, do, to win two in a row, um, it's pretty special. When you talk about something clicking on the weekend on Sunday, I'm taking a, a bunch of uh, local women in my area, Albert Park, to the driving range, and Grace Lennon, who was part of the Athena, mm. uh, took us for a, a um, lesson this week, and she just changed something as I took the club back, stopped me at hip height, and mm. looked at where, where the club face was actually closed. That was my problem. I kept hitting, slicing it, mm. or, or hooking it, whatever it was, and I fixed it up. And you I'm better now, work out with yeah. slicing it. I know, hang on, and I fixed it <laughs> Up. Were no, they going left or right? No, no, left, 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 right. Oh, that's a, sli- that's a slice. Right, but they were, but hang on, I'm, hang on. Was it, did it go dead straight to the right or did it actually curve no, to the it right? No, dead straight. Well, that's a block. Okay, well then, okay. whatever. So, uh, but I'm now hitting it straight 20 metres further. Fantastic. You just need to play more with Grace Lennon. I do. <laughs> I, was so, so, I was so happy. It was that little that hook that gets you back. <laughs> so Cam Davis was tied 14th in that. We keep yeah. talking about him, Marco, how he's he's coming, he's coming. Um, at some point he's going to win something again. He obviously yeah. won last year. And Henrik Stenson won the live event in New Jersey. I had a bit of a look at that. Um, it just looks like golf to me. I mean, uh, there's a bit of music. Uh, yeah. They didn't have many... YouTube viewers, they obviously don't have a, a TV contract, so they're, they're yeah. streaming on YouTube. I think they had 60,000 mm. people watching on YouTube, not not that many. Matt Jones was tied 90. Jed Morgan, 48th, dead last again. Yeah. One, Picked up 120,000 US. Um, Jed, not playing well at the moment. He, yeah. he needs some uh, support. Jed, and you know he needs to get himself going. Just on Jed. Now, he's, he's obviously collecting a fair bit of money. He's, yeah. he's come from, he had all the attention after that incredible performance at the PGA Championships earlier this year at yeah. um, Royal Queensland. And so what do you think is going to happen to his game? He's won a whole lot of money. He's not playing well. Is he motivated to improve or is he um, – yeah. I mean, I know we're not talking to him directly, yeah. but just no, – it's, it's, it's embarrassing to finish last. I don't care how big the field is. That, that's embarrassing and that would hurt him. He, he would be hurt. Mm. Um I keep on hearing from people in America that very, very soon, uh, before the end of the year, that the four majors are going to say a big no to any live player uh, to stop the avalanche after the FedEx Cup Championship. Yep. Mm. If that happens, 
um, I'm going to feel sorry for the kid because he's good enough to play in majors um, and he won't be allowed to. Now, how long that lasts for, I don't know. Uh, I do think everyone's going to get in a room at some stage mm. because it's a bottomless pit of money uh, that they're going with. This, they're not around for a little bit. They're in for a long time. Absolutely. Uh, I admire what uh, the PGA Tour is trying to do to try and help their cause because they want as strong as possible to get the money they have to look after so many professionals, not just the pointy end. So I hope that happens. Hey, uh, just uh, one for you guys, just before we we, uh, we get across to Scotland. Um, James Hahn, not a bad player. Uh, can we just get a little bit of violin or just imagine some violin music in the background, please? Have a listen to this guy, right? Take a look at the new PGA Tour. This is what he tweeted. Take a look at the new PGA Tour schedule and you'll understand why players are upset. Vegas to Japan. South Carolina to Bermuda. That's not very far. Uh, Bermuda to Mexico. For viewers, it's a flick of the remote. But for us, it's 20 hours of travel. Days and tens of thousands of dollars in expenses. We should be playing in major cities. Places where they have NFL football team. Not Bermuda and Puerto Rico. Us little guys have feelings too. I had a quick look at uh, James Hahn and how he's going, just uh, money-wise. He's going pretty well. How, how yeah. well? Well, he's a, he's a millionaire. He's making yeah, there you you know, go. five million bucks in the last couple of years. No sympathy from me. Uh, what, I mean, this is why... This, this, that, that's that, that, that's just not on. I mean, come on. <laughs> come hey, on. The fifth and final women's major is this weekend, the AIG Women's Open, formerly known as the Women's British Open. And as we've said, we have the 1993 winner on the ground, Australia's very own Karen Lunn, who is also the CEO of the WPGA Tour of Australasia. Great to have you join us, Karen. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tiff. It's so so great to be here. I'm on the ground here in Muirfield and, uh, yeah, really excited for the week. We've got some uh, our great Aussie girls playing and can't wait to see how they go. It's going to be a really special week. Can you describe the build-up for us back when you won in 1993 um, compared to where we are now? The game's grown, obviously, so much. Uh, Muirfield hosting it for the first time. Can you just describe the difference from that perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's just on, on such a bigger scale now. Um, wandering around, I was out there yesterday afternoon and walked a few holes and just the whole scale of the event, it definitely looks much more like a, a an Open Championship than an old older sort of Women's Open Championship. It's The RNA have really stepped up. They've um, they've increased the prize money. Um, you know, we're going to, the you know, the best course, some of the best courses in the world now to play the event. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a great event and it's um, it's, it's got a real buzz around the place. I know the girls are really excited to be playing at Muirfield. It's a, it's a course, obviously, many of them haven't played before which is quite unusual but I think they're all trying to sort of take in as much as they can in the practice round and be ready to go on Thursday. Karen you were telling me before you know a bit of a a golf historian Um, Muirfield's history is pretty colourful I suppose if I could put it very kindly I mean 2016 they had a vote uh, to whether to work out whether they'd admit women as members and they voted no and then the RNA took them out of the rota for the Open Championship as a kind of a punishment. In 2017, they voted yes. So they now have some women members. But I believe you, uh, you've been in the clubhouse. You've seen some interesting things on the walls. And uh, you've even met some of those women members. 
Yeah, I was at a function last night in the clubhouse, um, which was hosted by the the Honourable Edinburgh Company of Golfers, which um, it's it's actually the oldest golf club in the world, um, which is quite interesting. It um, it was formed in I think it was seventeen something um, at a golf club called Leith, just outside of Edinburgh. They moved to Musselburgh and then they moved on to to Muirfield. So yeah, it was it was great. Obviously, it was hosted by by the guys, and I, I met a couple of the the female uh, members there, which is great, and the, and they're really enjoying the experience. Um, and, and the men men golf. As I spoke to the male members last night, they were they were really happy about the direction the club's heading. So tell us about this uh, this year's edition, and obviously our Australian contingent. There's a handful of Aussies headlining that. Of course, is our world number two Minji Lee, and then and Hannah Green, who's uh, in the top twenty as well. Just tell us about your expectations, or you know how the girls are, are feeling and, and shaping up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great week. You've got so many of the best players in the world in some really good form. So it's it's going to be exciting. I mean, both Minji and Hannah took a break after the KPMG Championship, took three weeks off, which is unusual, um, certainly for Minji, because she plays a lot of golf. Um, she It's not like her to take a, a break like that in the middle of the season. So I think it's good for her. But um, I think that she, you know, I think in their eyes, this is the event they've been warming up for. Obviously, Evian was a very important event and last week the Scottish Open. But I think that this is the event that they are both targeting, just looking at their schedules. You know, they're, they're both running third third up into this um, after a spell. So I think that they're, they're going to be ready to go. And, you know, both have played some decent golf the last couple of weeks. I'll give you a number, Karen. Uh, the most majors won by a man and a woman from Australia in a year is two, and that's this year's the third time that's happened. We've never won three. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, this this is uh, this is the last chance, isn't it? So, um, yeah. I mean, I think. <laughs> I, I expect Minji to be up there in the mix. I really do. I think that she's obviously been playing amazing golf. You just have to look at her stats to see how well she's playing to Cedar Green if she holds some putts. Um, I watched Hannah on the range over the weekend at, at the Scottish Open. She's hitting it beautifully. Um, you know, and then Steph Kiriaku. You know, Steph had a, a top 10 in a major um, at the KPMG. Um, you know, she's been a bit up and down this year, but when she's on her game, I think she loves links golf. Uh, Suo was very grateful to get a call up, get one of the last um, spots in the field so she didn't have to pre-qualify on Monday so I know she was very very relieved about that um and then obviously Whitney Hilly has been playing some good golf it'd you know it'd be a step up for her to, to play well in an event like this but she's had a great year so I I'd be so shocked if Minji or Hannah you know one of them didn't have a chance come on Sunday I think I think they'll be in the mix you're doing some recruiting for the summer while you're there Karen I believe yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a great opportunity. I haven't been uh, able to travel to tournaments since uh, pre-COVID, so it's a good opportunity to not just be here catching up, um, you know, with representatives from the other women's tours, but also catch up with some of the players, our own players and some of the international players that like coming down to Australia. So I had some pretty good conversations yesterday and uh, meeting with a couple of the player managers today. Uh, so we'll see how we go. Obviously, during a tournament, uh, the week of a major, it's not that easy to get direct access to the players. They're, you know, very focused and, you know, I, I respect that, you know, I don't want to be going tapping on the shoulder and saying, oh, you know, can we sit down for 10 minutes? Because they just want to be completely focused on what they're doing. But, you yeah, know, some good conversations over the weekend, last weekend and, and heading into this week. And if uh, Minji wins, Karen, well, she'll become world number one, which is obviously massive in any context. But in terms of Australian golf, it would be absolutely brilliant to get her and, of course, Hannah and the rest of the girls to, to come and play our summer. Um, what do you think the chances are of that? 
Well, I think, you know, as a player as well, like we're, we're only just into the first week in August and I know that they're so focused on this week, next week, the week after. They don't – it's it's not on their radar yet. It's on their manager's radar 100% and, of course, the girls are aware the events are going to happen. Um, but they're so focused on what they're doing at the moment um, and I understand that as well. So, you know, I'm very hopeful that, you know, Hannah and Menji will, will both be there at uh, Victoria and Kingston Heath in December along with our other players. Obviously, you know, the one issue is that we do clash, clash with the LPG AQ school, so hopefully not too many of our girls will, will be teeing it up there. But I'm very hopeful that they'll both be there. And, and obviously, you know, Cam and Lucas have announced that they're playing, hopefully followed by some, some more announcements on the men's and the women's side. So, you know, it's going to be the most amazing weekend. Um, I can't wait for that event. I've got to say I'm so excited about it. Yeah, well, we can't wait to watch this weekend and we can't wait to watch, obviously, what unfolds over the coming months. Um, enjoy it and, and enjoy, obviously, being a, a, you know, a past champion and everything that comes with that. And uh, we look forward to checking in, hopefully, with you on the back of a win. Let's, let's see in the next few days. Yeah, finger, fingers crossed for the girls. And, yeah, yeah, we're, we're just, you know, sending all the positive messages we can. And it would be so great to have an Aussie flag up there on Sunday. Absolutely. Thank you, Karen, so much. And coming up next, we have our Cherry Picked. Stay right with us. It's time now for our Cherry Pick segment. And our guest this week is also our monthly winner for the Visionary of the Year competition. Congratulations and welcome to Garth Cusick, founder and head coach of the International Golf Academy Australia, located in Melbourne at Eastern Sword Golf Club. First, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the program, can you share with us the enormous success that you've had in both the attraction and retention of women into the game, in particular, a demographic that is largely untapped? Thank you so much for the invite today. It's terrifically exciting to be here, the home of golf now. Yes. Blue sky outside and it's uh, an amazing facility that I'm sitting in and enjoying the company of uh, the good folks at the podcast that I've listened to every single session so far. And sorry for my enthusiasm. No, please. It's good to have you here. Thank you. The answer to the question, um, the word enormous, I'm not sure that that's a true measure. So I appreciate that uh, <laughs> uh, explanation, but the actual number is a culmination of focusing on people wanting to play golf. And to play golf, we need to do more than just stand and hit the ball. And as it happens in my case, uh, being able to speak their language, literally, and it's another language other than English, so that's a little bit rare in this country, but an appreciation for one, their culture, and two, who they are. And who they are are female beginners careful attention to their, they're not necessarily different, but a careful attention to them has proven that they help others come and enjoy what they love. So I'm essentially giving them a story and their enthusiasm becomes my marketing. So golf in China, it, it, there's been an explosion and you know we've had some tournaments being there in the last 25 years and gradually you're seeing more and more players and now we're seeing on leaderboards, you know, the Chinese flag uh, right up the top, which is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of people coming to Australia from China as well. I mean, this, this seems to me something that, you are just so wrapped about you found your little niche. Tell us about how they found you. Was it just word of mouth? Thanks for your question, Mark. I was approached by a couple to help them with their golf. They, in turn, 
introduce me to more people. And, and here we are today with, dare I say, hundreds of people that I'm able to help through their journey to play the game. We use the app using the mobile telephone called WeChat. So it's a, a Facebook in Chinese. Right. And that is the platform that we operate our business. We don't have bricks and mortar. We don't have grass. So we're a virtual golf club that has a specific educational component directed to native Chinese speakers. Wow. How fluent is your Mandarin, Garth? Because Tiff reckons she's got a bit of no, Mandarin in no. the kit bag. <laughs> no. How fluent? Can you, can you conduct a full conversation? You lived in China for a while. So. I have spoken now coaching for 15 years. I'm nearly 60,000 hours deep into a career of coaching the game. So almost half my life I've spoken in Mandarin coaching. I wouldn't say fluent. Often I get in more trouble than I can handle. Uh, I think... Well, I'm told, so I believe them. My pronunciation is good, which gives the impression to a native speaker that mm. I can speak a lot more than I actually can. Right, eh? So, you know, learning to speak Mandarin, you know, just to get around town is one thing. Yes. But speaking Mandarin to actually coach fundamentals of golf and, and to get people on track, I imagine they're two totally different scenarios that you'd have to get your head around. I didn't appreciate until someone videoed me speaking and I not only do I seek feedback from the students regularly I watch the videos so that I can see my body language and I can see reactions from the students and it wasn't until I watched it and heard myself speaking for quite an amount of time without English that I stopped and looked back and went oh Mm. (laughs) so no uh, one sen- one word, one sentence, one phrase, and all of a sudden you bridge it together through a period of time, and it's a, a language learnt on necessity. There's some great takeouts from your story, and that's what we want to share through the Visionary of the Year competition for other clubs to tap into and to say, okay, well, how have you had your success and what can we do at, at, in our golf club or facility? One of the key things is your first touch point. You don't often get a second chance with a customer in any in any shape or form. So how do you make sure that every experience for each and every individual that comes into your academy is a memorable one and the best it can be? Firstly, an appreciation that it's a business. And in a business, there are multiple facets that produce a revenue. Some businesses pay for a client or an introduction or a lead. So treating it with that, each individual person that I meet a lot of cares to keep them, a lot of cares mm. to appease them, a lot of cares to listen to what they want. Mm. And then my business or our business is to find a facility and or a service or what they're looking for. So my job's to understand what they want. Will it fit at a certain golf club? They may not necessarily want to play comp at a private golf club. Mm. So I think that's the answer. Do you also have um, someone greet them in the car park, someone who can speak Mandarin? So there's that. There's no one sort of driving into a facility and thinking, okay, I'm new to this, it's all a bit daunting, where do I go, who do I speak to, I don't know. I think that's a key component of bringing people in and making them feel welcome. 
Well, I didn't think it was a big deal until you mentioned it, but you're right. Uh, the contact is initially made on the WeChat, so that is text only. So being careful in the Chinese, we have simplified and complex characters. Now, the complex characters sometimes are a little bit above a younger person, so using simplified characters to make sure that the communication they understand, so being careful with the first contact and then running that care all the way through. So that means talking to them on the phone as they drive, making mm. sure they know where to go, mm. having someone wave at them when they arrive, verify their attire, they're going to be warm enough, we're going to have a class for two hours, these are the amenities if required, I suggest before you come you bring your jacket, I'll look after it, do you have your phone for photos, bring your wallet, your car's parked well, but next time I think it would be better there for you. So a lot of attention to the person for the duration of their stay mm. or mm. their interaction with the business. So, Garth, 85% of your clients at the Academy are Chinese Australian women 45 to 60 years old, according to the article we yeah, published. I, Serene asked me to produce some numbers and we, we tallied up and that's what we got. So I just wanted to ask in terms of golf – what are the cultural differences between Chinese Australians and, say, first or second generation Australians that you have to kind of deal with? What are the what are the what what are the differences there that you need to to work through in terms of them coming to play golf? Just listening to them, because I'm not that good at speaking, so I do a lot of listening. One of the first things that I notice is they talked about, oh, I walked for two hours, mm. and I wasn't aware that that was a selling feature of our game until I listen to them. So, of course, now I'm careful to take breaks, careful to ask them, because it is possible that their time with me is their first and only venture out for the week. Number two, they're not particularly cared about counting. Hmm. So counting, competition, handicap, membership – is almost an irrelevant upsell mm. when it's not a feature that they're concerned about. So what do they want? What are they looking for? Learn. Mm. Yeah. They're extremely impressed with an accumulation of skills, not necessarily letters behind their name, mm. but a skill which produces knowledge and that knowledge yeah. is transferable. It becomes a talking point. It becomes a status symbol. And their story that they tell others, because I'm able to watch their communication using the app, I can pick out points that are constantly said, things that are highlighted in their communication, which then we turn around and say, well, that becomes a selling feature because that's what our client speak about. Those things they say are important. The reason I asked you is that for other clubs and facilities, if they're looking to attract Chinese Australians or immigrants of any nature, really, um, you know, where, where, can, where are they going wrong? Where do you think they might go wrong in this space? Only what I hear, because I can't speak for every single club in Australia and, and, and dare would I judge them, mm. but I hear a lot about join the club, play in competition. And, right. and I'm not seeing that. 
Mm. Not, it's not required. Yeah, I, I'm hearing... It's not the product they're looking for. Well, not in my small, tiny mm. sample. So how are you transitioning them? You're attracting them. How are you transitioning them, them onto the golf course? We play, and that's a selling feature that we advertise, on your first day, you will play on the course. Wow. Sensational. So this is a, a two-hour class the person will come to golf knowing that they will play on the mm. course. So whether we play one hole with two clubs or whether we're playing in a, in a, a group of four people and learning how to use a scorecard or we, we, we have advanced to we're using different clubs and we're introducing new forms of the game or whatever the level. Has this impacted Eastern Swords uh, numbers, membership numbers? A little. What the um, biggest change, and this is a, a purely a one-off case, is the club which has nine holes and just shy of 250 members. It's a fantastic facility. It's now open to the public. Uh, you can book online. Is that their competitions are full. So selling a membership is difficult for them to expand their revenue because you can't sell something you can't provide. And that's when the club said to me, well, how do we make money? How do we survive? How do we increase our possibility of mm. surviving next year? And I did some sums and came up with, well, we've got probably capacity to hold 70,000 rounds a year. And you, you, you are using your course for six to eight hours mm. a week. So there's a lot of room to fill the mm. space. What we've got to do is Fantastic. fill the space with someone that wants to play in those times, not in the times that you want to sell. Number two, when you look at the numbers at our particular club, the cost, and I'm sure this is the same at most clubs, the cost per week per member is roughly equivalent to one green fee per person. So most mm. clubs will work on those numbers. So if you can introduce one person paying a green fee, it's effectively the same revenue as one member per week, mm. but they're paying a commitment for one year. So the hourly, or even if we break it down into the per minute availability of revenue is better by having people paying a one-off or a green fee. Now, that takes a terrific amount of attention, and that's my business. So, Garth, I'm fascinated. I mean, it's very interesting listening to you because you've had to navigate a completely different market, and it sounds to me you've done it so well. So, with your learnings on how to get people started in the golf, um, you know, traditionally in this country, you, you take lessons you start to get the ball okay, or you get into a group situation and, you know, there might be 10 golfers all lined up, one or two coaches going down the line. And with, with your uh, first lesson, come and play, I, I don't think I've ever heard that before in Australia. Never. Mm. Straight onto the course. Straight yeah. onto the golf course. I mean, I mean I'm just thinking about – I'm just thinking about right now, if I was going to learn tennis, for instance, you know, it'd be nice to get a few balls. But if I was going to be playing against somebody first up, you know, or, you know, at least have a hit. That's a great selling that, point. That might, be, that might get me across, you know, all right, I'll, I'll do this. Hey, can you see that being more of a thing for Australia as a whole? Golf as a whole? Mm. Through necessity – 
in that I need to generate money for the company to survive were very financially driven by decisions and looking at it in that aspect may give an alternate view to the growth of the game up until this point. Now, no disrespect to those who have brought us to where we are today, Mm. but going forwards, I hope that this discussion and, and this unique opportunity that I've been given to win such an award, we can start yeah. to think, how is he doing it mm, on a nine-hole golf course? Because I just hark back to when I was, I was giving lessons you know, 15 years ago mm. at Elbow Park Driving Range, and the hardest thing was to get people from the driving range to the first tee. That was the hardest bit because of the intimidation factor. And maybe not so much for the fellas who'd go and play with their mates, but for the ladies who are curious about golf, getting them from the driving range to the first tee at Albert Park mm. was an enormous step. It was it was a chasm. Mm. But, you know, you're doing it straight away. Is there any intimidation? I mean, you show them how to hit the ball. I'm, I'm just imagining. You, you yes. show them how to get hit, make contact with the ball, how, how to hold the club. Then you just literally march them over to the first tee. It's almost that literal. <laughs> Unreal. The, but keep in mind that – So good. Thank you, Mark. The – opportunity to work with a club that has the ability to do it. A lot of golf clubs don't have that much space Mm. because they're very, well, they could be 90, 100. They could be 100% at their business by having members and the members had filled the timesheets, therefore they have no space for growth. Whereas where I am, we have a lot of space for growth. So it's not going to work on every single club but those that can are now Absolutely. in a market separation. Well, they're point. crazy not to. Exactly. After hearing this. this, The IP is available. I'm happy to share. It's not a unique thing. I'm, I'm you know, not inventing the wheel well, here. Well, it's on the website on, on golf, golf.org.au. So <laughs> check out the story, Martin. Hey, Garth, uh, you're a 30-year pro, mm. PGA professional. You love the game. Uh, where you know inclusion gets a, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot nowadays. Where, where do you think the sport is with inclusion? I feel like it's getting better, but it needed to um, very mm. much. So, what what do you think? Uh, thank you so much for the question. I have a, a hours and hours of discussion on this topic. It is has to be based on the facility, so it would be a difficult ask to request next door, can we cut some holes in the bunker so we can roll a wheelchair in there? Mm. Whereas where we are, and we're very much moving towards this, is we are exploiting the asset we have. And we have a dead flat site, which means we are all abilities, 90% already there. Yeah. Mm. So I think the it doesn't suit every market. Yeah. Meaning a golf club is deemed mm. as a mark. It doesn't suit everyone, but for those that are looking at their business model, golf club, license, car park, all the assets that they have, focus on what they can do. So the all abilities is a sector that we have not explored enough mm. and is a big opportunity for golf, I Surely believe. Surely public yep. facilities, they should be looking at this to present that, you know, if they present themselves for funding to the local council. Yes, and they're providing these opportunities for all abilities people, for immigrants, for new golfers. Yes. Surely they present a better case. I think the growth in the two uh, topics that we're talking is uh, English is a second language and people that are classified as all abilities 
Public golf courses are a lot easier to modify themselves to suit these markets rather than a private golf club that's enjoying a 90%, 100% membership where they don't have room and they don't dare want to modify the facilities to suit. But the industry as a whole is in a very strong position because the modification to pick up the sector that we're talking about, all abilities or second English as a second language, are huge. We already have the infrastructure. So I'm terrifically excited and, and we focus on that sector based on where we are based, yep. where, where we are at. Yep. Make well, sure you clear your top shelf because you're going to win a lot more awards. Absolutely, you are. Thank you, mate. You are, mate. Garth, you're a great Amazing. working model of, of what other clubs and facilities can really tap into, into what has been largely untapped markets, so we've, as we've just discussed. Thank you so much. It's certainly a worthy winner of the Visionary of the Year for the month of July. You've won yourself a $500 drum and golf voucher and you've gone in the running for $10,000 worth of Callaway Reva products range, which is, of course, specifically designed for women. So all the best with that and thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much to be able to come and speak and and thank you so much to Golf Australia for the recognition and the possible chance that we can improve our product for the game we love. Good man. Yeah, Good we, on you. Absolutely. Thank you, Garth. Coming up after the break, all the news from Around the Traps. Time now for all the news from Around the Traps with Australian golf writer Dane Heverin. Dane, Abby Teaser, we mentioned her at the top of the show, has won a title which Australia now lays claim to winning for the second consecutive year. Thanks, Tiff. Um, yeah, she won the English Amateur over the weekend, which Kirsten Rudgley, another Western Australian, won last year. So Abby Teasdale's a 19-year-old out of Royal Fremantle, coached by Richie Smith. So just another w- player another one. Oh coming my out of that production line over there. <laughs> she... Um, she sort of did it the hard way. She fought back. It was a 36-hole final, and she didn't hit the lead until the 28th hole. And she just hung on wow. from there to win one Good up. On and um, she held a really nervy three-foot putt at the last. But Knee knocker. Cru- yeah, crucially, she sunk it and got the job done. Isn't that and, fantastic? And Dane, not short of uh, support over there with, with good reason because a lot of family coming out of North Manchester. Yeah, she has a lot of family over there, and she actually had her brother caddying for her for the week, and her parents over there. So, um, so she's actually English-born, and so she's got a lot of family over there. And so, earlier this year, basically as soon as she could get out of Western Australia, she headed over there, and she's been playing a series of amateur events across the UK and Ireland. Now you're you're talking the news, but you're part of the news because you are over at the British Open, and you've just returned. Can you can you give us a summary of the experience? Your first ever major. Oh, oh. yeah, it was amazing, and clearly I was the good luck charm. One major, one yeah. Aussie winner. That, make, so. that makes sense. He's, he's put his hand up for the next major <laughs> already. Oh, we'd be silly way. not to send yeah. He's got Augusta. He's the, he's the ambassador. Yeah, I've got my sights on Augusta now. <laughs> we need another Aussie winner there. So hopefully I'll be off there next year. It was just amazing. On, on the Sunday when Cam won, it's – all these Australian accents came out of the woodwork all around St Andrews. It was incredible. <laughs> all week it had been filled with you know, British and Scottish and Irish accents getting around Rory McIlroy and then all of a sudden the place was Australian on the Sunday night. It was incredible. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that, that sounds great, doesn't yep. it? Yeah, I can just imagine it happening too because, you know, if, if, you got, if you're cheering for someone and they're five shots back, there's not much to cheer about. But all of a sudden five birdies in a row. Hello. And you can imagine every single Larrikin Australian – Comes uh, out of the woodwork, you know, giddy up or whatever the hell they're saying over there, Aussie, 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 whatever, whatever they're doing, you'd hear it from 
miles away. Exactly. And it was a few of the Aussie players themselves out there. They were all out there following Cam straight away after. A lot of them in front of like that old R&A building behind the first tee as he came down the 18th, making a lot of noise. So it was very cool. Okay. And uh, where where were you drinking? Did you have a few beers over there? Did you get into the Dunvegan? Yeah, we hard to get into. It was hard to get into. We did get into the Dunvegan. We we did the rounds a bit. So I think we sort of got a taste of everywhere. And what was your – now, apart from the golf course – what was your favourite bit about St Andrews, the town? Because there's so much to see there. Oh, it's incredible. Like, I'd never been there before. Yeah. And when I got in there on the Monday, it was just, I was amazed, like, yeah. how small and how close together yeah. it actually is. I was yeah. like, how is this place going to hold such a big tournament? Did you get over to the ruins and have a look around there? No. Oh, I just I out the back. Yeah, just out the back yeah. of the clubhouse. It's an eerie place. Um, and what did you th- what did you make of? I always ask people this question. What did you make of the tee shot at seventeen? <laughs> when when <laughs> yes. you actually tell us about <laughs> it, what is it? <laughs> when you actually see it in person, so the tee shot at seventeen, the road hole, the, oh, ro- yes. the road yes. hole, and the hotel. Until you get right there, there, you just don't get it. And. You know, I I was standing there watching um, Cam, Adam Scott and Mark yeah. Leishman play their practice round and watching yeah. them hit off the 17th. And I was just thinking, my drives always go right, so I'm just hitting that hotel. Yeah. Like, how, how are they able to block out the hotel and yeah. hit it down the left side? I always yeah, imagine amazing. being in that hotel room, <laughs> the top, the, the top right hand one. You'd actually be able to see what ball they're using as it goes past. <laughs> well, I this one's a high fade, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because the whole what, what, what's the sign? The old, the old, the is it the old course? Yeah, the yeah, old yeah, course. Yeah. So you're you're either going over the first O. Uh, if you're a short hitter, and the last though, if you're a long hitter, yeah. so one the, or the other. The week before the Open itself, we had our Play Nine winners over there playing in the Nine Hole International yeah. Final. The yeah. RNA put on, and they were telling me about how they had their tee shot at the seventeenth filmed, yeah. and that was the most daunting experience they've ever had yeah. because they're just thinking, "I'm just going to get filmed hitting it straight into the hotel." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about we, are there all the dints still in there when are you go the past it? Are they <laughs> there are dints everywhere in the shed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People's golf ball slamming straight into it. Now, Dane, uh, Jeff Guam had a good week at the uh, US Junior Amateur, right? He did. He he lost in the quarterfinal, unfortunately, to American Eric Lee. He went down on the 20th hole. Mm. But he was five down after 11 holes, Jeff was, and he fought back to mm. you know, get it to a 20th hole. And it was sort of – that's the way he played all week. He, just, mm. he would just get on a run and um, – in his round of 32 match, he was three down at one point, you know, on the back nine, fought back and won. His, um, his round of 16 match, he made five birdies in a row to go five up after nine and to seal it off. He just, he did similar at the Australian Junior earlier this year that he just gets on a roll and when he does, he's such mm. an amazing ball striker. So he's definitely one to watch. He's a back, dynamic back looking back. player. Back to back Australian Junior amateur winners yep. and yep. one of the best kids out there. Uh, what about the prize money on the US Tour, Dane? Yeah, so with uh, you touched on this earlier with the new schedule for next season, they've just upped their prize money. So some of the big events to get big prize money is the first two FedEx Cup playoff events have increased their purse from 15 mil to 20 mil. Gosh, wow. just like that, the, um, 25%. The Century Tournament of Champions, which Cam Smith won yep. earlier this year, has gone up from 8.2 mil to 15 mil. Yeah. They're actually struggling to get players to go back there. Some players, like, for instance, Tiger Woods never played it. Phil Mickelson no, rarely played, literally played it. They wanted a break. So this so is the money, what Liv is doing. So the money that they were playing for, just they didn't deem it worthy 
of actually going back and playing. So that's why they've had to do this. Yeah. And obviously yeah. what you're saying, Tiff, live in the background is a big factor. So it's a 47-tournament season and it is a wraparound, mm. but they're getting rid of the wraparound in 2020. That's right. So the, uh, the only players that will be playing uh, after Ryder Cups and the President's Cup are players pretty much from 71 to 200 and something mm. onwards. And they're going to be playing for their their position next year on yeah. the tour. So players 1 to 70, yeah. they will be playing in the international events uh, that have been put on. Um, and fingers crossed, we want one. Uh, if you're listening over there, we want one down here. But they'll play in the 75-player per event, uh, $25 million US events, and that's their bonus. Um, the other one that really stood out on the schedule is the Phoenix Open, you know, mm-hmm. with its famous yep. Yep. R3, yep. is going to be on in the same week as the Super Bowl in Phoenix this year. Oh, yeah. Imagine how big that's going to be. So we've got a Super Bowl in Phoenix and the Phoenix that Open. That is awesome. Uh, that's a big deal. Hey, great stuff, Dane. Great to have you back. Awesome stuff. And uh, coming up next, we've got Marco's Masterclass. Marco, your masterclass this week, what have you got? Okay, so we are in the middle of winter in Australia and uh, most golf courses right around the country, I'm going to say, are dormant right now if you've got cooch fairways. And what the greenkeepers have to do to keep the power out of those cooch fairways is keep them as low as possible. Otherwise, the poana comes through and it's a bad look and then they've got to fight that for the rest of the year and chemicals and everything else. So they keep the fairways so tight. Mm. Now, I don't practice much anymore. Generally speaking, if I don't have to chip, I putt. I putt from 15 metres off the green, 20 metres off the green sometimes because the cooch grass is almost like a putting green. Mm. But sometimes you're going to find yourself in a position where you've got to chip over a bunker or, or something. Now, uh, these days, uh, the bounce on my sand nine, uh, the lot, my lob wedge, is eight degrees. And for my 54, it's actually 14 degrees. And that's really, really helpful. Uh, a long time ago, it was a completely different chipping technique I used to use where the ball was back, open stance, the whole lot. These days, I don't do it. These days, I take the club low and I have it pretty much a square stance and the ball is in the middle of the stance. But the one thing I was doing that was making it hard for me to hit solid chip shots, I was moving my feet around. And I think it was especially my left foot, which is my lead foot, and my lead instep was coming up in the air and that was making my levels dip and I was hitting thin shots and fat Stop shots. Yeah. I was I was looking like a complete hack, Martin, and that really hurt me deep oh. inside. My yeah. soul, I hated looking like a hack. One of the guys I'm playing with <laughs> said, stop moving your left foot. And that's all it was. I went back after the round and started chipping with a flat left foot. And you cannot go get underneath it. Your, your right shoulder can't dip. And now... I'm chipping quite well. Back in so, town. so my 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 lesson today is: if you are having trouble chipping off really tight fairways, just try it. Keep that left foot dead flat all the way through, and see what happens. Now, there's a tip for you: take that with you for the next few weeks, because we're taking a little break over winter, but we'll be back bigger and better very soon.